Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters. And, what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better. And dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Praise God, everybody. Thank you very much. Very kind. Welcome, one and all, in here, out there, all around the world to The Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. You know... Thanks in large part to the former president. There's a whole industry of people who make a good living trying to make you think you're insane. Well, I make a very good living reminding you that you're not. (laughs) Now, you'd think, you would think, you'd think that once the people gaslighting you on a daily basis have been revealed to be liars, say, in multiple text messages and a $1.6 billion court filing by Dominion Voting Systems, they would pump the brakes. But apparently, some people are just addicted to being dicks. (laughs) Case in point, Fox News host and and toddler sucking on a dog turd, Tucker Carlson. Here's what happened. In order to become a speaker, Kevin McCarthy had to make a lot of stupid promises to a lot of awful people like Matt Gaetz. And one of those promises was to release 41,000 hours of Capitol surveillance footage from the January 6th riot because the Freedom Caucus helped cause that most tragic day in our nation's capital, and they desperately need someone, anyone, to create propaganda to make it seem like it was no big deal so they can stay in office and maybe do a better coup next time. (laughs) And McCarthy kept his promise. He gave all that footage to Tucker Carlson, who last night cherry-picked innocuous clips to try to rewrite what we all saw happening with our own eyes on January 6th. They were peaceful, they were orderly and meek. These were not insurrectionists, they were sightseers. Sightseers, sightseers, really? Grab a rock, honey, we're going to the Louvre. I, I, I want to peacefully smear my crap on the Mona Lisa. See if she keeps smiling after that. He lied some more. Footage from inside the Capitol overturns the story you've heard about January 6th. Protesters queue up in neat little lines. They give each other tours outside the Speaker's office. They take cheerful selfies and they smile. They're not destroying the Capitol. They obviously revere the Capitol. Yes, they obviously revere the Capitol so much that they queued up neatly to smash those windows. And we all remember their chant. Wait your turn. Wait your turn. Tucker also talked about the Q shaman. Remember the guy with the horns, the rider who was caught, you know, with the spear and the bare chest and the screaming? He, the Q shaman, had this to say about his own behavior on January 6th. He said, I was wrong for entering the Capitol. I have no excuse, no excuse whatsoever. The behavior is indefensible. Maybe so. But Tucker indefended him. The single most famous person arrested that day 
was a Navy veteran from Arizona called Jacob Chansley, often referred to as the QAnon shaman. The tapes show that Capitol Police never stopped Jacob Chansley. They helped him. They acted as his tour guides. Okay, but the Capitol Police themselves said their officer only did that in order to de-escalate the situation because the officer was outnumbered. Evidently, Tucker Carlson has never seen a hostage negotiation. No one was scared of the man in the bomb vest. In fact, <laughs> officials were saying they would give him whatever he wants. They ordered him pizza and gave him a million dollars and a helicopter ride to go to the location of his choice. Is that really how you treat an enemy? <laughs> Tucker also took issue with the footage from the January 6th committee that showed Senator Josh Hawley hollying ass. <laughs> According to Tucker... That footage is deceptive. The actual videotape shows that Hawley was one of many lawmakers being ushered out of the building by Capitol Hill police officers. And in fact, Hawley was at the back of the pack. I stand corrected. Josh Hawley is not just some hypocritical coward. He's a hypocritical coward who runs slower than 70-year-olds. <laughs> and may I remind you... Just a couple. Just a couple little things. That's all. And may I remind you, those people were all running for their lives from what Tucker describes as meek sightseers. It reminds me of this scene from The Lord of the Rings. And we're walking, and we're stomping, and we're stomping, and we're marching. Where's the gift shop? <laughs> Tucker's fascist fanboying was such transparent propaganda that it didn't even play well with members of the GOP. North Carolina Senator Tom Tillis said this of Tucker's report. I think it's bull I was here. Language, language. Senator, please. Nancy Pelosi, how would you describe it? It's poo-poo. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's, that's gentler. It's a kinder, gentler. Tucker can try to change the narrative all he wants, but we all know what we saw that day, including the man who cynically handed over this footage, Kevin McCarthy. Here's McCarthy calling into Fox News in desperation on January 6th. First of all, this is so un-American. I condemn any of this violence that's happening in the Capitol right now. Anyone involved in this, if you're hearing me, hearing very loud and clear, this is not the American way. People are being hurt. People, people, are, being, people, people are being hurt. There's been shots that have been fired. This is unacceptable. And I watch barriers being broken. I watch people breaking windows. I watch people running into a building. You do not do what is happening right now. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm being told that we have Tucker's edit of McCarthy's phone call. First of all, this is so American. Hearing very loud and clear. People are being acceptable. We should be shot, shot, shot. Now, for something. Baby, shut the doo -doo 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 -doo. For something that Tucker says didn't happen, there sure are a lot of people pleading guilty to doing it. Yesterday, the Justice Department. Arrests hit 1,000 in connection with January 6th. That's right, 1,000 arrests. Johnny, tell the American people what they've won. Still no consequences for the man who incited the whole coup. We demand justice. And a new dinette set from Broy Hill. Broy Hill, nothing means anything. Back to you, Steve. And now, the feds have arrested the January 6th rioter dubbed Spider-Nazi. 
Spider Nazi, Spider Nazi, did a coup and he got caught. See, broken side, thought he'd get off. He's a bug version of Adolf. Look out! Here comes the Spider Nazi! Listen, bud. This dummy's name is Brandon Kelly Dillard, seen here with the only women who will ever talk to him. <laughs> Charges against uh, Brandon Kelly Dillard are pretty bad, including illegal entry, disorderly conduct, and uttering loud, threatening, or abusive language in the Capitol building. Spider Nazi will be tried alongside his fellow knockoff superheroes, Captain Unmerica, and a group of mutants called the Never Had Sexmen. Of course, the guy who inspired Spider-Nazi is running for president again. He's reportedly already eyeing potential running mates, and he wants somebody who is unfailingly loyal and bland enough that they don't steal any spotlight. That's right. Blander than Mike Pence. <laughs> Get ready for his running mate. Slice of wet bread, 2024. <laughs> but... Well, the former president is trying to win over suburban white women, so we might have to go Lady Bland. According to people close to him, he's strongly considering picking a female running mate, and reportedly the current frontrunner is failed Arizona gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake, seen here wearing a blouse she shed last week. <laughs> Fine joke. Uh, Quality joke. That's a stroker. That's a stroker. Lake lost her election and refuses to admit it, but she has got one win under her belt. This weekend, she won a straw poll for the Republican VP pick during CPAC. She must have been so honored to have MAGA voters choose her as the next vice president they try to hang. <laughs> but Lake found a way to deny this election as well, saying through a spokesperson, we're flattered, but unfortunately, our legal team says the Constitution won't allow for her to serve as governor and VP at the same time. That's a good point. Carrie Lake is currently the sitting governor of the state of denial. <laughs> Speaking... Nice. Carrie Lake it is. Sure. Sure. What's that? Is that good? What's that? Okay. Now we're done? Speaking of dangerous idiots, Elon Musk is still running Twitter <laughs> and technically running it into the ground because yesterday Twitter was hit with one of the biggest outages since Musk took over. During the app-wide outage, users could not access photos or links. That's rough. Everyone knows the links are the best part of Twitter because they take you away from Twitter. <laughs> But Twitter, don't you worry if you were worried. Don't worry. Twitter's back up now, and after a quick investigation, it was revealed that just one engineer caused all those problems. And that person is the last remaining site reliability engineer. It's not their fault. There's only one guy. We have footage from inside Twitter headquarters of that engineer trying to keep up. James Taylor. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What a pleasure for me to tell you that my first guest tonight is a six-time Grammy Award-winning Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. Please welcome back to The Late Show our friend and yours, Mr. James Taylor. Nice to see you again. Nice to see you again. You're the man. <laughs> yes. Last time you were here, uh, you were doing a week-long residency at the show. Had a wonderful time. Did a wonderful time with James over with the band. And, great working uh, with Lewis, too. It was terrific. Yeah. And it wasn't lost on me that you played Pat Metheny's James. Yeah. That's <laughs> great. That's the point. Can't put anything past James Taylor. Yes. Now, now, I understand that you're, you're going to... You're, you're, this summer, you're doing a week residency in Las Vegas. Now, I don't necessarily associate Sweet Baby James <laughs> with the strip, Daddy-O. Are you a Vegas guy? Do you enjoy, do you enjoy the bright lights, the big city, the, the, the rolling the dice, the showgirls, the tigers, that kind of stuff? You, you know, it's true that, that particularly in the beginning, um, uh, there was sort of a, a line of demarcation between what we considered our music, you know, uh, the music post-Beatles, post-Dylan, uh, and, and sort of what had gone before. And that, that, that line, uh, Vegas was on the other side of that line. Yes. And, yeah, and, you didn't spend and, a lot of time in Vegas when, well, you were a young, when you were a young artist. No, no, I, uh, I, <laughs> I, I didn't. I, I, I pretty much uh, uh, avoided the place for, for quite a few years. But, um, you know, uh, uh, it's sort of like that character that Bill Murray used to have, the lounge lizard kind sure, of thing. Sure, sure, yeah, sure. Right, yeah. Star Wars, talking about Star Wars. If, that they, guy. Yeah. if they should bar wars. Yes. That's right. yeah. Well, uh, yeah, so uh, to begin with, there was a sort of uh, Vegas phobia. And, uh, um, but, you know, I, as time passes, uh, things change. Um, I think we get politically... Let me write that down. Let me write that down. <laughs> time passes... Passes, things. What'd you say? Things do change. change. There you go. All right. James Taylor. Got <laughs> it. Uh, you know, you, you sort of get dragged to the middle politically and culturally, and, and as time passes. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I I did a residency a couple of years ago in, in Las Vegas, and and it was great. So. Yeah. Um, what kind and, of show do you do? Is it, are there are there like is a lot of glitz? Are there white tigers? Anything like that? Uh, you know, whatever we can uh, scare up, you know, we'll we'll definitely use. But no, uh, uh, it, it's it's pretty much uh, we just take the show that we're touring that year, the set that we're playing, and uh, and and just park it in Vegas for for about ten yeah. days, which is a great relief for for the band and and crew not to have to break it down and then set it up once a day mm. uh, and to be able to stay in one place. And, what about uh, you, though? Do you, do you like being in one place or do you like the circus life? Uh, no, I, I, like, uh, I, I like the one-offs. I like uh, having a, a feel of a different region or a different population uh, each, each day. I, I like... Because I like you're not the one breaking down the speakers. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I, 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 go, I go somewhere else and, and fall asleep. <laughs> well, this summer you got you got a tour, sixteen shows around the U.S. Uh, you have a favorite city to play in the states? No one will be offended if you don't name their city. Well, you know, I I do tend to uh, uh, I, every year I play uh, in my own hometown, 
uh, in Western Massachusetts, I, I play the Tanglewood Musical Fest Festival. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Tanglewood has been called the Vegas of the Berkshires. That's right. <laughs> That's right. This Thursday, you're headlining the Love Rocks NYC concert at the Beacon Theater, and this is benefiting. Uh, well, it, Love Rocks is the is the organization, and it's uh, uh, it's a yearly benefit that's uh, mostly for homeless relief in, in New York City. Yeah. And also performing, also performing, uh, John Mayer, Mavis Staples, Cheryl Crow, Saint mm. Vincent, and some others. Are these all friends of yours? Or are you excited to meet some of these for the, like first? Have you someone you've never performed with before, or never seen before? I'm excited to to meet and, and perform with uh, St. Vincent, but uh, sure. for sure. But sure. Uh, I know Mavis and I, I know John Mayer. I, I yeah, these th- th- it'll be good to see old friends too. And the and the the band, uh, it's a great band. Uh, my drummer Steve Gad, mine. Uh, Steve you know, Gad. I'm, I'm his singer. Steve actually, Gad. But, yeah. Oh my God, the drum solo on yeah. Asia alone is a reason to go see James. That's Steve right. Gad. Or, yeah. or Fifty Ways to to uh, Leave, Leave Your Lover. Your lover. Yeah. 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 But. But uh, uh, Steve will be playing drums, and it's actually Steve who, who brought me into the gig. And uh, uh, Will Lee, who used to play uh, uh, on, the, on the late show, a band with Paul Schaefer. Oh, of course, yeah. Will's going to play, uh, cool. play bass. And, uh, so it'll, the, the, it'll be a, a sort of a reunion of sorts. I'll see you there. I'll oh, see great, you you're going to be there? Yeah, I'll be there. Now, last week, you were part of a concert uh, for Joni Mitchell. Here we are. This is the Gershwin Prize down in Washington, D.C. Now, an amazing group of people. Graham Nash, Annie Lennox, Cindy Lauper, Brandy Carlisle, Herbie Hancock. These are, a lot of these are people that you've, you've known for many years. Yeah. What is it... Does it make you remember, like, jam sessions from when you were younger, when, when you're with these people you've known since you were a young man? You know, it, uh, it, it just... It, it sort of resonates back through time when you worked with these people in the past or, uh, you know, uh, Joni and I uh, have, a, have a history and, and um, I played uh, guitar on a, on a lot of, lot of those uh, tracks on her album, Blue, and she sang on, uh, on You've Got a Friend and You Can Close Your Eyes and, uh, and uh, uh, Long Ago and Far Away. So, you know, she, uh, uh, she and I have a, have, have a, 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 a rich... Uh, you know, a storied past, which was a, a great, a great period for me. So yeah, it, you know, the the music is like, um, you know, when you see a, a photograph on your phone from something that happened 15 or 20 years ago, uh, it really it takes you back and kind of anchors you in that in that time, you know, and and uh, the the music does that in a, in a significant way too, I think. So yeah. We have to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more James Taylor, everybody. Stick around. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. That is Mr. James Taylor right there. Well, this, this weekend, 
you uh, are turning 75. Your 75th birthday is this weekend. Congratulations. You made it. Amazing. You made it. 75. Are you, are you, how, how are you planning to celebrate? I'm astonished. I'm just amazed. You know. <laughs> or do you celebrate birthdays? Uh, no, not really. Uh, I mean, um, you know, people around me remind me that another year has passed and, and, <laughs> and bring it up. And I say, why bring it up? You know? Yes. Yes. Well, my understanding is time passes, things change. That's what I... No, I just... No, I can't. I thought, you want to write that down? Time passes. Time passes. Time passes. There we go. Okay. Oh, that's really smart. Okay. Now, um, this year marks another milestone for you, and that is 40 years of sobriety. What does that anniversary mean to you? Well... 35 to 75. Yes, that's true. That means I can pretty much remember the last 40 years. Mm-hmm. And it's been good. It's oh, been good. good. Yeah. 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 No, it, it... You know, uh, a funny thing about this life is that, uh, you know, if you're successful at something, there's a, there's a big tendency to, to keep doing it, you know. Uh, well, you know. Yeah. So, you know, sure. the big wheel rolls, and it wants to keep rolling. So, right. uh, uh Really, uh, what's surprising is how how little has changed in my life, um, and how how familiar and how similar what I do today is to what I was doing when I was 17. But uh, uh, um, recovery, getting to recovery from addiction, was the the main. Aside from my my marriage uh, to my wife, that was my my main uh, event really in my in my adult life. And that and my kids, you know. And, yeah. um, talking about, like, sort of the big wheel rolling and, and, you know, what you're doing is sort of similar to what you've done before. There's a, there's a, there's a line in That's Why I'm Here, which is uh, about the audience saying they pay good money to hear fire and rain again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm curious, that line you probably wrote 30 years ago. That's right. right. Yep. So how does it feel now for another 30 years for the people coming to see Fire and Rain again and again and again? And how do you still do Fire and Rain and have it be meaningful to you? Well, you know, it's, it's not easy to, to do that song. It needs to be the right context. And uh, I need to sort of set it up right and put it at the right point in, in the evening. Um, you know, so, so the context uh, works. Um, but... Uh, it's an amazing thing, uh, uh, you know, just uh, having an audience uh, there to to catch what you're pitching. Um, it it makes it uh, so much more. Uh, uh, it, it makes it fresh, you know. It's sort of that that energy is uh, it, it never it never gets old. You know? I want to ask about that catch what you're pitching idea. Is that even a pitcher and a catcher have to come to an agreement on what this next pitch is going to be, <laughs> That's or true. else it's going to hum right by the catcher's ear? That's right. What do you do to let the audience know the pitches you're going to throw? Well, you, they they don't necessarily uh, know. They'll recognize the song perhaps if I if I start playing it. You know, there's a balance when you're putting together a set. I was talking to Lewis about this earlier. When you're when you're putting together a, a, a set for a live performance. Um, there's kind of a balance between old and new, uh, um, uh, between giving the audience what they sort of came with and what they had in mind when they came to hear you, and sure, sure. And, uh, and and 
also giving them fresh stuff and playing things that you're that are new to you and you're excited about delivering. You know, so uh, that's just um, the the sort of science or the art of putting together the the right set, and then you know you rehearse it, uh, and, and then in the first say four or five gigs that you play, you fine tune it and you get the timing right, and you know it's it's. Uh, it's one of those. It's it's a big part of what I what I do. So you're recommending if someone wants to see one of these 16 uh, tour shows you're doing, don't do the first four or five. Uh, go to six. Actually, <laughs> go to si- go to the sixth right. show is what you're saying. Avoid those first six like a plague. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I want to ask you about a song that not a lot of people talk about, but it's one of my favorite songs of yours, and it's called Mona. And and for those for those people who don't know, oh, quite a few Mona fans. People don't know. Can you explain who Mona is and what the song's about? Well, Mona was a pet pig, and and uh, here's a photo. Here's a photo. Here's a photo. This isn't this isn't her fully grown, right? This is. Oh, that's really. She's both of us are quite young in that picture. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how did you get a pet pig? Well, my brother and I were uh, having cocktails one afternoon, and and uh, enjoying a refreshing beverage. That, that's correct. And uh, and and he and I were having the classic argument about which was more intelligent, the dog or the pig. And uh, he took the dog, and I took the pig. And a friend of mine overheard my sort of uh, uh, you defense, know, in, of- enthusiastic, enthusiastic uh, defense of pigs, and uh, and how intelligent they were. And she said, "Well, his birthday's coming up, you know." 21st birthday, I'm going to buy him a 21st pig. 21st birthday? That's right. 21st birthday, a pig is the tradition. So, You recommend that to young men everywhere? Well, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's time-tested. Um, but the, the, so the, 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 you know, she, she gave me this little football. It was so cute. You know, a little black stripe across its shoulders and little high-heeled shoes on all four feet. Just a cutest little thing. It lived in a cardboard box at the foot of my bed for, for that winter. And then when the spring came, uh, I, I moved her out into a sort of an enclosure. I was, I was building myself a house uh, in the woods, and, um, and I, I made her a pen and, uh, and moved her in there, and she started to, uh, to put on weight. She put on about uh, 500 pounds in, <laughs> in a little over a year. Wow! In a year, yeah, yeah, wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, we we yeah. might have been, we might have overfed her, but uh, <laughs> but she she was a she was a, a prize pig. She she actually uh, won a blue ribbon at the agricultural fair. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let me ask you the let me ask you the the critical question here, which is, was she smart? Yes, she was smart, but she was very single-minded. Oh, yeah. Strong-headed pig. Strong-headed, focused on food. Focused on food, okay. Yeah, and, and, and a couple of times a year sex, but yeah. I'm going to move on. You better move on. I'll move we, on from that better. subject right there. We will. Yeah. Well, um, James, lovely to see you. Thank you for listening to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. Just one more thing. If you want to see more of me, come to The Late Show YouTube channel for more clips and exclusives. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. 
New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Rise and shine, football fans. Start your day the right way with Morning Footy, a podcast that covers every aspect of the global game, headlines, match previews, analysis, interviews, culture, fashion, and plenty of banter. Join as we track the thrills and spills of Europe's biggest title races, the business end of the Champions League season, a summer packed with international competitions, MLS, NWSL, and much more. Subscribe to Morning Footy.